Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And let them know the nerd sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Welcome, nerd. Are you ready to launch 154th Expedition into Nerdum? Preparing for launch, queuing bitchin' rockabilly track, priming engines, now tracking Santa Claus, unencrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling, launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. Christian, Merry Christmas, man. Yeah, happy holidays. I mean, this week is really our last episode before Christmas. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been in, like, full Christmassy mode. I mean, it's definitely been difficult, like, in the middle of a fucking pandemic. But me and my family are doing the best to, like, keep the spirit alive and kicking. Uh, which, for us, means, like, plenty of holiday movies. Are you a Christmas movie guy? Uh, yes and no. You know, I, I like holiday movies for what they are, but I, it has to usually be on Christmas when You're I watch it. such them. a fucking Grinch, man. <laughs> I know. You're asking I, Scrooge I, if he loves holidays. I, I know. <laughs> like, I... Even Scrooge eventually grew a heart, right? <laughs> All right, well, what are your go-tos? Well, um, absolutely. I definitely watch A Christmas Story every single year just because it's marathoning, usually. Fucking, like, yes. a TNT or something. No, I agree 100%. That's one of my go-tos, too. Um... Honestly, on Christmas Day, that's usually what's on the screen. So, I mean, you don't have to think about it. It's just there. And I don't think there's a better movie that really, like, captures the essence uh-huh. of being, like, young during Christmas time. So, I 100% agree. I actually ended up visiting the Christmas Story house. Um, it's in Cleveland. Oh, nice. Uh, we, we're on the way to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And mm. it, like, popped up on like Google, you know? So we're like, what the hell, why not? It was the middle of June and the thing was jam packed. Oh wow. Like it was tourist central. Uh, They have a gift shop, which is actually bigger than the house across the street. (laughs) So, but it's like a full fledged museum that you could actually rent out during Christmas time and stay there. Like you could actually spend Christmas Eve in the Christmas story house. God, that's gonna cost a lot. I can't even. I can't even imagine. But they must be making a pretty penny because, like I said, it was June and that like there was a line to take the tour. So, uh, but yeah, no, that's one of my go-to's. Uh, what else is on your list? Um, you know, surprisingly enough, and people hear me say this all the time. You know, I actually watch most of the Star Wars movies during December. I really love watching Star Wars during this time of year. I don't know why. I, I don't know. It's just because they've released a bunch the last few years or what. Yeah, it's no, I mean, that, been... that's fair. I mean, there's uh-huh. definitely <laughs> things that I love during this season just because it reminds me of the season, not because it's actually like has anything to do with the season. For some uh-huh. reason, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an old school metalhead. I love listening to Megadeth's Rust in Peace. 
<laughs> during December, just because that's when I got the CD, it was like one of my first like CDs. So I don't know. I consider it almost Christmas music. I <laughs> hey, I li- I dig it. Um, but that's just me. But I, I totally uh, get it. You know, Chris. Now you know. Actually, the past decade, really, right? I mean, I, I agree. Like Christmas, Star Wars. Why the fuck not, right? Exactly. Um, another thing that gets marathoned a lot during this time of year is James Bond. So I'll start watching like old um, James Bond films. Speaking of films that like have nothing to do with Christmas, but uh-huh. are always on around this time of year. At least they used to be. I don't know if that's the case anymore. But um, uh, Wizard of Oz and yes. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. Like those were always like go to movies, you know, uh, back in the day. I don't know if they still do it. But, like, I associate those movies with Christmas because of that. So I, I totally get it, man. All right. So what else is on your list? Uh, well, I got to put Die Hard out there, right? That's, yeah. That's definitely that's the, the Christmas go-to. movie. <laughs> you know, for me, it's not. Like, I I considered a Christmas movie just because of the backdrop. Uh-huh. Like, I consider Trading Places a Christmas movie, too. Um, but, like, it's not something I always seek out during the season. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I, I get it, man. Like, I always have to watch Gremlins during December oh, yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I feel like wondering. I feel like that's more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard even. Yeah. Cuz he literally gets, you know, Gizmo for uh-huh. Christmas <laughs> from his dad. So, um, you know, so I really get pissed off when people like ask like whether or not that's a Christmas movie. It's like it's a fucking Christmas movie. There's no way it's not. You mm-hmm. know, the Gremlins are literally caroling in that film. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I, I won't rant and rave anymore. Like I have a, on the horror fronts. I mean, for me, like I've got a list. I think we actually did a countdown at one point um, in the show's history. But like Black Christmas, Silent mm-hmm. Night, Deadly Night, uh, Gremlins, Krampus, uh, Inside, because nothing says you know Merry Christmas like you know an unborn fetus getting ripped out of a mother's you know stomach. <laughs> Once again, I'm a little fucked up, but uh-huh. <laughs> a little. He says. I, I like. I love anything Rankin Bass, uh, uh-huh. A Christmas Carol uh, with George C. Scott or or Patrick Stewart. I could you know trade them off, uh, and then of course it's a Wonderful Life. I'm a fucking big sap when it comes to it. it's a Wonderful Life. Um, you remember that I brought up Hook before? <laughs> that's that's right. That's uh-huh. right. I love what, what's what was the reasoning behind Hook? Like you considering that a Christmas movie? Well, does, it does start at Christmas. Um, in that film, oh, it's like Christmas that's time. Right, the very beginning, right? Uh-huh. Got it. Got it. That's fair. I count uh, that. One that um, I know that is a terrible movie, and I just love it for the jokes in general, is Jingle All the Way with Arnold. I've never seen that movie figure. all the way through, and I actually tried to watch it last year. <laughs> And like I could only handle maybe ten minutes of Sinbad, and I was done. I was like, I can't. I've got, I've got to walk away. The movie's a fucking classic, man. You gotta sit through it all. <laughs> I don't know. That's like mid '90s, I think. Uh huh. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I missed that in the initial release, so I, it was never, you know, a, a go-to for me. Do you do the Tim Allen? movie what is that uh santa claus or whatever oh no i, I kind of hate that movie for some reason yeah man that tim franchise allen. got weird and tim <laughs> allen seems kind of a bit of a douchebag so uh-huh. i don't know <laughs> that seems to be a recent thing so i don't know i'm just I, i've always been kind of turned off by that movie and they did like i think five too many 
Uh-huh. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm not necessarily a fan. I don't think I've seen that one all the way through either. So you, you guys don't do Home Alone? Oh yeah, no, we do Home Alone. Okay. So, um, <laughs> you know, but I was actually late to the party with Home Alone. Oh. I was not a huge fan of that movie when I was younger. Um, and then I think it's just because like Macaulay Culkin was like on the cover of all the like, you know, teen magazines and shit like that. So gotcha. I was kind of like turned <laughs> off by it. Um, and then like later on, I ended up like coming to love that film. So yeah, no, Home Alone's definitely on the playlist. Uh, and then I definitely watch um, Grinch with Jim Carrey all the time. That's just too terrifying, even for me. <laughs> <laughs> Something about the makeup just disturb, disturbs me. You can me. watch a fetus get ripped out of a womb, <laughs> but the Grinch with Jim Carrey, too much. I don't know, man. I remember watching an interview and him talking about the makeup process and, like, wearing all that mm-hmm. shit, like, you know, for hours and how he had to actually get training by, like, torture experts like how to okay. like get through the day, like, you know, little tricks and shit, you know, people who actually gone through like serious torture. Um, Jesus. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, every time I see that, you know, him in that, you know, costume, that visual, I just think about like how much pain he's in. So yeah, no, I, I, I'm not a fan of that. I, I love the original though. Uh, speaking of old school, like, like I, I'm talking 1970s, uh, a year without Santa Claus with uh, Heat yes. Miser. Yes, I love watching. That's that. Rankin Bass, man. I, I could do oh, okay. Rankin Bass all the fucking time. <laughs> that they, do, I mean, they do Rudolph and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like the creepy, you know, stop motion. Uh, that that's my childhood right there. Uh-huh. So uh, Charlie Brown, obviously. Uh, you know, Garfield. Garfield had some classic, classic holiday specials back in the day. So, but that's before your time. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I think they still, I think Amazon Prime actually has like a collection of them right now. Check those oh, out. Sure. They yeah. always have weird collections. I love me some Garfield, man. Don't blast me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that fat cat. <laughs> well, with this next one, I'm tapping out. Uh, Scrooged. No, Scrooge is definitely a classic. I agree 100%. Um, that's not one that I seek out. But if it's on TV, I always stop and watch the whole thing. Absolutely. So, uh, but like my go-to, and I think I mentioned it before, but Christmas Vacation is probably like my favorite Christmas movie of all time, bar none. I still laugh at every fucking uh-huh. one-liner. I mean, I love Chevy Chase. I worship at the altar <laughs> of Chevy Chase. So, uh, but yeah, no, Christmas Vacation all the way. I think that one just has humor that you could watch at any time of the year anyway. Either yes. way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've watched it, like, not in December. So uh-huh. I agree 100%. All right. Well, we need to move on to news. But you know what, listeners? If you have some favorite Christmas movies you want to share with us, go ahead. You know, reach out on social media. That's at Amazing Nerd Show. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you know what? Let us know some of your more, like, unconventional Christmas traditions. Yes. You know, I mentioned Megadeth's Rust in Peace. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have anything that you like go to during the season that just reminds you of Christmas? But if someone, if you mention it to someone, they'd look at you like you're fucking crazy. Um, you know, let us know. All right. So before we move on to the news, a uh, quick show note. Next week will be our best of Star Wars month. And then the week following, we'll be returning with a Wonder Woman 1984 review and our Mandalorian season two review. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. 
And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in Nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, Christian, I don't know about you, but I'm still trying to recover after last week's, you know, news segment. Um, Disney literally broke the Internet with all their insane announcements. I mean, I think think we had like a total of like 20 something um, Star Wars and MCU related ones and other things that we didn't talk about because, you know, that's not our wheelhouse. But um, we did our best to kind of keep up, but we did leave out a few nuggets because we're pretty much, you know, doing it live um, as things were happening. So we basically wanted to go ahead and make sure that we covered everything uh, and give you some of those stories that we missed. Yes. And starting off, we had a droid story coming to Disney+. Plus. Yes. This is the one Star Wars story that somehow, you know, went under the radar for us. Uh, but we've got a forthcoming animated television movie uh, scheduled to premiere on Disney+. Plus. Uh, the film will feature a new character, a new hero, guided by R2-D2 and C-3PO. Um, its development is being handled by uh, Industrial Light and Magic, as well as Lucasfilm Animation. Now, did they say the new hero was human or droid? They didn't say. I'm guessing human, though, if they're kind of, like, guiding him. Um, I'm curious to see what time period this is going to take place in. Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously, if it's kind of in between, you know, the sequels and, you know, the, you know, the original trilogy, that could be interesting. But I don't expect to get any, like, big, like, you know, story revelations or anything like that. Uh, you know, from this. As long as it's better than, like, the 80s droids cartoon, I'm cool with it. Fair enough. I'm imagining something more on the line of, like, maybe it's one of those kids from um, The Last Jedi or, like, trying to be trained by Rey or trying to find her. So you think this might actually be a, like, epilogue after the sequel, like, trilogy? Yeah, I mean, it would be a great way to introduce us to what the future may look like if they wanted to get us pumped for, I don't know, whatever might be in the future. I'm sure they want to stay away after Rise of Skywalker, but you know, we'll, yeah, I, we'll I, see. I was actually surprised the holiday special took place after, uh-huh. um, you know, the sequel, you know, trilogy. So um, who knows? Um, something that we did miss with the Bad Batch last week was that Ming-Nay Wen is actually going to be in it um, as her character Finnick. Well, speak for yourself, Christian. I actually did see the character, but I wasn't quite sure. And then with just all the chaos of like going through everything, trying to put together the news segment, uh-huh. I just forgot <laughs> to mention it. Because you know, it, it, she's never without her helmet. You know, uh-huh. she's got her helmet the entire time running around. So... Uh, but yeah, no, she confirmed it. A lot of people called it out and everything. So, uh, but yeah, she confirmed that she's going to be in the series, which is interesting. I don't know how old that makes her character, but I mean, aliens, whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what their biology is like. Um, so, but yeah, no, I'm definitely interested to learn more about the character. She's a fucking badass. And you know what? I think Ming-Nay Wen was one of the definite like highlights of um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I think that yeah, she, she deserves more screen time. No, so, I agree sure. 100%. I mean, there aren't many actresses that have like the nerd lineage that she does at this point. Uh-huh. Like she's basically <laughs> like been part of like almost every like major franchise. If you think about it, she just needs to do a DC film. She's going to be in Batman next time. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why the fuck? There is that Gotham TV show. Why not? Out, right? 
bucket. All right, up next, Mandalorian star Tamora Morrison reportedly joins Star Wars' Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So yeah, this is coming from Kessel Run Transmissions. Uh, you know, they're reporting that there's a rumor right now, so it's just a rumor, <laughs> that uh, Commander Cody will be in this series. Uh, you know, and I, I think we heard this a while back, right? A, a month or so ago? Yeah. Uh, it makes sense, I guess. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the character, how he'll interact with Obi-Wan. Will it be something where he's hunting, you know, Obi-Wan? Or is it going to be something where, you know, he's come to apologize, you know, for trying to kill him <laughs> during Order 66? Uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm all for this. Uh, you know, it, how long does this take place after Revenge of the Sith? Was it 10 years? I believe it was like directly 10 years after is what they said okay. last time. Yeah. So, and I guess continuity wise, they wouldn't be able to do like Rex. So, because mm -hmm. I, I believe where he's at in Rebels, it just wouldn't make sense. So, yeah. I mean, Cody's probably a safe bet if, you know, Morrison is in this series. So, uh, sounds cool to me, though. I mean, you got Attican running around now. So, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the uh, fun thing is that he could really play any character <laughs> at this he point. He could play a multitude of clones, right? <laughs> so. Exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know. And I don't know where, like, the clones are decommissioned at this point. 10 years after, correct? I believe yeah. so, but I think we were also debating that the last time we talked. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they get decommissioned, you know, and I'm wondering if Bad Batch is going to be kind of that story, you mm -hmm. know, of like how the clones end up getting decommissioned, but we shall see. All right, well, up next, Disney announces an alien television series for FX on Hulu. So this is definitely an interesting development. Uh, Disney's working on a television series set in the alien universe. So I don't know if that means it's going to be following, like, the continuity from the films. Uh, but this is going to be for FX and Hulu, like you said. Uh, it's going to be produced by Noah Hawley, who uh, also did Legion. And one of my favorite shows that we never talk about it on the podcast for some reason, um, Fargo. So I was excited to hear that. Um, you know, what we know so far isn't really much at all. Um, but the series is going to be set on Earth, which I'm not going to lie. I kind of hate that idea. <laughs> yeah. So um, I know at one point with the third film, there was a tease that it, the story was going to take place on Earth. And then they completely like scrapped that script and, you know, changed it completely to like the prison planet and all that nonsense. Uh -huh. um, that was the third movie. Um, but yeah, I, it just does not appeal to me whatsoever to see the aliens on Earth. I don't know, like I need like the bleakness of space. I don't know. It, it's just not the same. Like I know we've had like Alien and like Predator take place, on, like right? Alien versus Predator. One of the sequels like took place on Earth. I think the second one was on Earth. Yeah, no, I hated that. So <laughs> I'm not too excited for this, uh, uh, unfortunately, with that news. But I mean, I'm still willing to give it a shot just because of, like, you know, someone like Noah Hawley being behind it. I don't know. I think there's just something so effective about the alien being on a spaceship. There's, you know, the, that element of isolation and everything yeah. that you're just missing. It's just the aesthetic of space and everything. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to see, like, I, I guess you could do the isolation thing on Earth, like have the alien in a farmhouse or whatever. I just don't know if I want to see that, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
So, but like I said, I'm going to keep an open mind. Well, also coming to Disney Plus, they're going to be bringing Willow back as an original series. Yes, so this will star Warwick Davis. Actually, we heard rumors of this a couple months back. Um, the pilot will be directed by John M. Chu, and it will be coming in 2022. So, uh, I don't know. I'm not the biggest Willow fan, but, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of 80 kids like myself who are, are excited for this news. It's definitely not one I've ever caught. Really? You never saw no, Willow? No, I've never seen Willow. No? You all great. No? No? <laughs> no? <laughs> Val Kilmer and a sword? Uh, I mean, I'm intrigued. It's, I'm, but... <laughs> I'm, it's sad, too, because I think Val Kilmer's actually been sick lately, so I don't think he'll probably get to participate, which is too bad. So, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, Willow. <laughs> <laughs> You're so excited uh-huh. for this, David. <laughs> well, speaking of a DC star, Chris Pine to star in Dungeons and Dragons movie. All right, so yeah, The Hollywood Reporter revealed that Pine will be starring. Uh, the film will be directed and written by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, best known for directing uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, and there's no plot details yet. Um, hopefully it's better than that Wayne's Brothers uh, film from the early 2000s, because uh-huh. <laughs> that was the drizzling shits. Um, I was a big fan of the cartoon back in the 80s, and I recently watched it and unfortunately does not hold up. So <laughs> my daughter loved it, though. But uh, like I'm sitting there like listening to the voice actors and I realized that one of them is like Ralph Melf from fucking uh, Happy Days. And it just like blew my oh, mind. Okay. <laughs> I was like, how the hell did I not notice this? <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The show always had the promise that the cartoon I'm talking about now uh-huh. always had this like great promise. It had some fucking awesome, awesome toys. But, like, those characters, like, that the toys were based off never showed up in the cartoon for some reason. Uh Like, you get, like, maybe an episode (laughs) or so. Instead, we're stuck with, like, these dopey kids. But I loved it at the fucking time. But, yeah, no. I tried it. Like, my daughter was kind of like, what what is this, Dad? What are you making me watch? (laughs) And usually she's pretty open-minded when it comes to that. Uh, I just don't. I, I just feel like they're using the name just to have the name in general like i don't feel like they'll make something authentic to dungeons and dragons like my mind is immediately going to that other hasbro film uh battleship i don't you know what dungeons and dragons has had this big like renaissance lately and i'm hoping Uh because of that this will be you know a case of the studios taking the original properties seriously and like getting people who are actually in the know behind it and like coming up with a story that honors like the game itself, you know, in some way, yeah. you know. So I'm hoping that's the case, and that this isn't just them using the name for a cash grab. Mm-hmm. Like if anything, I would rather it be something where it's like, oh, you know, we were inspired by Dungeons and Dragons, rather than it being just called Dungeons and Dragons, because that just feels like a cash grab in my eyes. But I, I, I don't know. But that's what I'm saying. Like maybe they actually do something that you know makes sense. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know? exactly. So because otherwise, <laughs> don't call it Dungeons and Dragons because you're just gonna piss everyone off. You know. I also feel like they're just gonna make Chris Pine like your average knight. So I, could I they go know. like Jumanji <laughs> with it? 
yeah, but do I want that? I, I don't. You're 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 asking the guy that doesn't like Jumanji. So I mean, <laughs> I don't, I've never seen Jumanji, so I have no clue. But oh, like, okay. could you get it where it's like dorky kids, and then they, you know, somehow get Absolutely. sucked in the game, and they're their characters? It's gonna end up being the kids from Stranger Things playing the game, and out of nowhere they get sucked in. That's why I'm. I watched that though. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow we can play D&D. Well, with that said, we're now going to get into some Mando talk. Warning Mando spoilers ahead. How about a toast to Operation Cinder? Now there's a man who knows his history. No, I don't just know it. I lived it. All right, so quickly before we go ahead and start talking this past week's episode of The Mandalorian, unfortunately, we just lost Jeremy Bullock, the original Boba Fett. Uh, thank you, Jeremy, for making my favorite bounty hunter come to life on the big screen um, and rest in peace. All right, so this week's episode that we're going to be talking about is Chapter 15, The Believer. Uh, by the time this this podcast gets released, though, the finale has come out. So uh, hopefully it didn't suck. <laughs> but we'll do a full review um, after we come back from holiday breaks. So. Uh, but anyway, let's go ahead and get into the episode briefly. So I enjoyed this episode overall. Um, it was, you know, had lots of great action in it. Uh, it was much more of a character piece than I was expecting. It was definitely like the Migs, like Mayfeld, like episode, um, which I you wouldn't think you'd get like the second episode before the finale. But I mean, it was I, I liked the story. Um, you know, uh, we're following Mando and his all-star friends. They get Mayfeld out of prison to help like infiltrate an Imperial base to retrieve coordinates uh, to find Moff Gideon. Um, Miggs has, you know, a history with, you know, the Empire. He served as a stormtrooper at one point, I believe. So he kind of knows his way in and out of like their facilities and how their security system works. So that's the reasoning behind them, you know, bringing this character back. I loved him in the first season. I thought he was great in the episode that he was in. I, I don't remember the chapter's name. But, you know, the prison episode. So I yes. was excited to see Bill Burr back. So they end up hatching a plan where they have to disguise themselves as tank troopers, I believe they referred themselves as. Um, you know, they basically it was like a different version of the short troopers armor, but gray. Mm -hmm. uh, Mando comes to the realization that he's going to have to take off his Beskar so he can infiltrate this base. Uh, you know, Boba Fett says there's no way I can go in because they're going to recognize me right away, obviously. Um, you know, he's got a brand new paint job, um, <laughs> which just came out of left field, uh, you know, but I was cool with it. He looks very much like his like 12 inch vintage figure from back in the day. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Uh, you know, no scuffs or anything, fresh and clean, mm -hmm. ready, ready to collect bounties again. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I love the action sequence of them getting into the base. I thought that was really well done. Um, you know, they're carrying this explosive cargo. Um, they can only go a certain speed, um, you know, and they're getting attacked by like the natives, basically. Um, yeah. <laughs> so poor Mando's like sitting on the roof of the truck um, as these natives are like coming at them with like different like I, I guess they're like hovercrafts or something. Yeah, like uh, land speeders. Yeah. So, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's really action packed. Um, really nice fight sequences. Um, I like that we kind of see that Mando's been relying maybe a little too much on the Beskar. 
You know? Yes, uh, I did love that moment where it's like, oh, he's you know he's not used to fighting like this, but he's still trying to block you know lasers and stuff with his um, armor. Yeah, working. that stormtrooper shit, it does not hold up. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like made out of fucking paper. Because if you I think know. about it, they get blasted all the time. They just fall. Like it, they got beaten to death by Ewoks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> but they finally make it into the base. They're celebrated like heroes by the other stormtroopers, which is really awkward. Um, they're about to go ahead and, you know, find the council that they need to get it to, which happens to be in some kind of officer, like, cafeteria or something. Um, Miggs realizes that, like, his former commanding officer's in there. He totally, like, has an anxiety attack. Um, and then Mando has to make the choice of, like, taking off his helmet to, you know, do the scan and get the coordinates. Um uh-huh. So what did you think of uh, Mando making the choice to take off his helmet, Christian? You know, um, at the time, I, I was kind of hoping that they would do, like, camera tricks and just not show his face. Like, even if he had to take it off, they would just, like, keep it below. But I did forget that they had shown his face before in season one. Yes. Yes, briefly, uh, yes. Uh, so the moment at the time, I, I don't know, I didn't like it too much because it was just seemed like it was breaking his code a little too fast mm-hmm. for me. Um, and I thought there was other workarounds in that scenario, like... Um, he could just walk over, take off the mask for like a second and then put it back on or like um, they could have found another mask for um, Mayfield and he could have just walked over there and done the exact same thing. I, I don't know. Well, what um, would they have, I think the he'd have reason- to take it off of another stormtrooper, like steal a mask. You're saying? I, I, I'm sure there's one laying around. <laughs> <laughs> I guess those motherfuckers don't take off their masks very often, though. No. So but this was the episode um, where I felt like he came to the realization finally that like, you know, Grogu is his son, you know, like almost the acceptance and that like, this was a moment of like unconditional, like, you know, parental love where I'm even going to break this code. That's, you know, means everything to me, um, you know, all in the name of saving, you know, my child. So I was okay with it. Um, and it even made for a great, like, moment at the end of the episode, but we'll get there soon enough. Um, but yeah, no, after Mando gets the coordinates and you think all is clear, all of a sudden we step right into a Tarantino scene. Um, they're confronted by, uh, Mayfield's, like, former commanding officer. Um, he wants to celebrate with them, uh, you know, for getting the cargo to the bay successfully. They sit down at the table you feel like it's going to be a scene where Mayfield's trying to hide his identity, but then starts retelling the story of, like, basically how his entire, like, platoon was wiped out all because of this guy's one decision and how he watched, you know, not only, like, you know, all his friends die, but, you know, these innocent villagers die um, all because of this fucking asshole. And he can barely contain himself, and Mando knows it at the time, and we can actually see Mando's, like, expression for once as he's kind of, like, you know, quietly, like, what are you doing? Um, and, you know, fucking Miggs just pulls out his blaster and takes care of him. And then, you know, chaos ensues. <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair for Valen Hess, um, he was taking, like, direct commands from the guy who was getting um, told to do stuff by the um, deceased emperor, one of those, like, robots he sent out. Like, because Operation Cinder is, like, this big mission that they do in um, Battlefront 2. 
uh, where you actually see them like wiping out this planet pretty much um, after like they try to wipe all this information mm-hmm. off the planet. Um, Are you trying to defend this <laughs> this, this Nazi <laughs> oh, it's scumbag? A moment. <laughs> and it's like one of the reasons the main character like turns to the um, rebellion, uh-huh. but it's like. Uh, you know, it, it actually feeds into my um, previous ideas that maybe Moff Gideon is working for one of these droids and taking orders from you know the Emperor Palpatine. And I love that they're going this deep in like to like yes. the Star Wars lore now. They're gonna cherry pick whatever you know great you know former you know legend storyline or whatever the hell they're calling it nowadays that they want you know to tell their story. So I love that. Mm-hmm. That's great. You know I did like I didn't play the game obviously, but I just think it's cool that you know they went that deep to tie this all in. Um, but yeah, no, it was an awesome moment. I loved it. Uh, you know, they're getting chased now by basically the entire base of guards. You know, they're going straight out the fucking window to climb down. Um, they escape because they're getting coverage from Cara Dune and Finnick. Um, they barely make it out alive. Um, Miggs gets the final laugh as he basically destroys the base. Um, you know, being such a great shot, he takes out, was it a tank? Did he blows them? Yes, yes. It was one of the tanks that had the, the cargo um, in it, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So yes, and that just blows the fucking place sky high. So, um, and at the end of the episode, they choose to just let Mayfield walk away. Which I I do hope that he is showing up in the final in the finale. I don't point. think you'll see him in the finale. I think maybe you'll see him in like a season or so down the line. So I think it'd be a little too soon in the finale because I was I actually you would think they would ask him to come help them but i'm yeah. guessing because car dune <laughs> is working you know as a ranger or a marshal now that she doesn't want to be seen necessarily with him yeah <laughs> so um especially since they're going to play off that he died you know in the mission which like take a hint man like <laughs> standing there for like 30 seconds he's like are, are you sure or what's <laughs> he doesn't trust anyone man <laughs> You can't blame him with his history. I love that we got some like great character moments, especially like this, like far into the season. I mean, how? I mean, that last moment though, with <laughs> with uh, Mando pretty much calling out, yes, and saying, I'm yes, I don't want to forget about that. <laughs> What's the Liam Neeson uh, films taken? Yeah, taken. That was yes. totally his like taken moment. <laughs> well, I think he does his Gideon speech from their first confrontation. Oh. I believe mm. so. I'll have to double check that. But I think he basically says you don't because I think Midian says you don't understand how just how much, you know, the child means to him or something like that. I think it was something like I don't know mm-hmm. if it's word for word, um, but I, I believe he at least paraphrases some things that Gideon says to him about the child in the beginning. Well, I'll have to look that up because that, that is a good callback. Yeah, I mean, don't quote me on that, but I, I believe <laughs> <laughs> that's what they were doing there. But it was a fucking awesome badass moment no i absolutely agree um I, I one more thing i had to say about it was that it was an incredibly well-paced episode for something that was like 36 minutes i definitely never felt like it was too short or too long like it just felt like it was running at the right amount of speed the entire time and i would actually say that with most of the episodes this season Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the fact that, you know, they don't have like a set time like, oh, we got to, you know, fill this amount of time. You know, if the story dictates 30 minutes, then we're going 30 minutes. If the story dictates almost an hour, then they go almost an hour. You know, I think that's, I that's think good they, storytelling. Mm-hmm. 
I think the only episode I could really tell was that that second episode with the spider cave and everything. So still not a bad episode, <laughs> but definitely the worst episode of the season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Damon, you saw a movie this week. That's right, Christian. I saw the horror film Anything for Jackson uh, streaming currently on Shutter. No one has more time than a grieving family. We can do this. He's coming back to us. A bereaved Satanist couple kidnap a pregnant woman so they can use an ancient spell book to put their dead grandson's spirit into her unborn child, but end up summoning more than they bargained for. This was directed by Justin G. Dyke and written by Keith Cooper. Stars Sheila McCarthy and Julian Richings. Anything for Jackson is an unconventional, dark and twisted tale about how grief can consume and corrupt. I mean, the film wastes no time in getting started. Uh, we're introduced to this older couple, Henry and Julia, who's seemingly in the middle of their morning routine. After a very ordinary discussion about hemming pants, we quickly come to realize that we're bearing witness to the first stage of a disturbing plot to bring back their deceased grandson. Um, as we all of a sudden watch Henry drag an unexpected pregnant woman from outside and tie her up in their soundproof attic. Uh, we soon to find out that the mother-to-be is Shannon, um, actually a patient of Henry, who the couple has chosen to birth the vessel that will return their grandson Jackson back to the living in sort of a kind of reverse exorcism, if you will. The only problem here is Henry and Julia are in way over their heads. And once they perform the satanic ritual, they've invited more than just Jackson back. Um, the rest of the film is a dark comedy of sorts, um, filled with just genuine scares and strong performances. We watch Henry and Julia's plan and lives unravel as these like novice Satan worshippers who have meetings for crying out loud at their local library um, with their church, um, like some like everyday book club, pay just the ultimate price and consequences for interfering with fate. I mean, much like classic tales like Monkey Paw or, of course, King's Pet Cemetery. Uh, I really found Anything for Jackson quite refreshing, and that's partially due to our main characters being an older couple who happened to worship the devil. I mean, we don't get to see that much in studio films. <laughs> well, like, a typical script would choose to focus on the perspective of like the cadet mother or the detective trying to solve the case, which there is one here. Um, instead, they give you the villain's point of view. And even though their choices are horrifying, it puts the audience in the difficult, uncomfortable position of empathizing with these characters because their heartbreak is just so palpable. And like I said, the performances are so rich. Uh, there's this one character named Ian, played by Josh Curtis. I'm totally destroying his name, but <laughs> he becomes their like devil worshiping guide of sorts. But I mean, 
He's the kind of character who seems a little too real, like he's legit. And someone that you would like cross the street if you saw walking towards you. It's like, where the fuck did they find this guy? So Justin Dyke, the director of this film, is extremely talented. Um, you know, I was really surprised to see that most of his filmography is filled with like Hallmark specials. Um, this is hopefully the first of many films in the horror genre for him. I really love how he handled the scares. I mean, they were abrupt and unpredictable. He never shows his hand or like telegraphs anything through like formulaic storytelling or just overscoring scenes, which is a huge pet peeve of mine. Um, and you know that if you listen to this podcast, um, he lets the horror happen organically. And you know, when the story really dictates it, he uses just haunting visuals and atmosphere and mood to keep us on the edge, the entire film. Uh, this is just great visual storytelling. And there's just a lot of moments and entities, or I guess they're ghosts, um, introduced in this film that are just incredibly memorable. Uh, the cinematography also is just breathtaking. And it has this like snow globe type effect, like in building this sense of isolation. Um, it's just really well done. I I think overall, my only real issue is I felt like they weren't quite sure how to end the film. I mean, I understand like leaving it open-ended, but it kind of just feels like there's a minute or two missing here. I mean, with all the chaos in the third act, it just kind of ends with like a whimper almost. But I mean, with that being said, I absolutely recommend this film it's just so unique and entertaining and a breath of fresh air i mean like i said filled with great performances and some memorable scares it just checked all the right boxes for me as a horror fan and really has the right ingredients to become a cult classic well still as a dark comedy because i think you've actually reviewed a couple dark comedies this year um, and a lot of them have fallen flat for you would you say that this one managed it in a uh, better way so yeah, maybe calling it a dark comedy might be overstating it a little bit because um, it's not going for like belly laughs or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's more in the vein of like a Coen Brothers film, you know, like Fargo or something like that. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, yeah, it's not looking for like laugh out loud moments or anything. All right. Well, if you had to give it a grade, Damon. So I'm going to go ahead and give this film a B plus. I mean, check this out. It's streaming on Shutter right now. And this is not a paid advertisement. I mean, I wish it was. But if you're a horror fan and you don't have Shudder, you're not doing it right. I mean, not only does it have a great back catalog of classic horror films, but it is also just chock full of great original films like Anything for Jackson. Um, it's quickly become my favorite streaming service over the last couple months. So, I mean, do yourself a favor, sign up and definitely check out this film. All right, well, before we move on, this week's episode was also brought to you by Thousandfell. Hey, Christian. Yeah, Damon? I'm digging the new shoes, man. Oh, thanks. You like these fresh kicks? You know I do. I love me some Thousandfell. Yeah, man, they're the best sneakers for a better tomorrow. 
That's right, they're a full circle footwear brand grounded in thoughtful design that starts with seriously sustainable super ingredients. Their sneakers are not only zero waste, but stain proof, odor free, water resistance. They offer long lasting durability and yoga mat levels of comfort. Thousand Fell creates the world's first 100% recyclable circular sneaker. Their sneakers are designed from innovative leatherless materials and backed by their brand owned recycling program, which guarantees their sneakers will never end up in a landfill. Thousand Fell sneakers not only do good, they look good, feel good, and they're built to last. Hell, Vogue even said, these sneakers bring both the cool factor and practicality. They have everything I could possibly want in a sneaker. I'm talking 100% leatherless, 100% recyclable, 100% vegan, certified by PETA, zero waste, stain and water resistant, odor repellent, blister proof, and with a versatile design to really make a statement. So listeners, check out their website today and get a look at the best sneakers for a better tomorrow at a thousandfell.com. And if you act now by December 20th and use promo code circular, you can get 20% off your purchase. And hey, don't forget to select the the Amazing Nerd Show in the post-purchase survey. Well, all right, Damon, you also watched a show called The Stand. That's right. The first episode just premiered on CBS All Access. The world is now a blank page. Make your stand. After the world is in ruins due to a man-made plague, a battle of biblical proportions ensues between the survivors. Uh, the series was created by Josh Boone and Benjamin Cavill and, and stars James Marston, Alexander Skarsgård, and Whoopi Goldberg. All right, so spoiler warning. Um, I just wanted to briefly give my thoughts on the first episode of the new adaptation of The Stand. I'll come back at the end of the series and do a full review. But I've been really looking forward to this show since it was announced by CBS All Access about a year ago. While I'll admit, like, I've never read Stephen King's book, I was, though, a fan of Mick Garris' miniseries um, from 94. While, I mean, it's far from perfect, don't get me wrong, it has this certain sort of, like, I don't know, sense of style and charm to it. But unfortunately, at this point, and mind you, we're only one episode in, it feels like the new version of The Stand is just the exact opposite. Um, for a series about a plague killing 99% of the Earth's population, The Stand just feels strangely sterile. Uh, the apocalypse has never been so, like, you know, paint by number. Um, what Garrus did so well with his version of The Stand was he, like, put Captain Tripp's The Plague front and center and really captured how terrifying watching the world burn would be. While this new version just seems to treat it as an afterthought for some reason. And part of that might just have to do with the choice of characters we follow in the first episode. Um, there's Stu, who's played by James Martin. Um, he spends most of his time locked away in a medical facility um, after coming in contact with Patient Zero. While he's horrified that everyone he knows is now dead, but like besides his initial contact with this infected person, we don't really get to witness like the devastation like of Captain Trips through his eyes. And then we have the character um, played by Owen Teague, um, Harold. Harold's a complete fucking sociopath who sees the plague as just an opportunity to court Franny, his old babysitter, played by Odessa Young. Um, Franny, like, has this potentially, like, moving moment, but it's just, like, stolen from us by this awkward interaction by Harold. So what I'm trying to say is, like, our core characters just feel so 
completely disconnected to what the hell's going on around them. And because of that, so do we. Um, the episodes also like unfold in this like non-linear fashion, and it's just a choice that honestly doesn't really add anything to the story. Uh, and it just didn't work for me. Uh, you really would think that with like everything going on right now, with a global pandemic going on like literally right outside our window, that a series about the plague would easily hit a nerve. But unfortunately, that's just not the case, at least with the first episode. Don't get me wrong, like I'm still holding out hope here because we've only met like a small portion of our all-star ensemble cast. Um, you know, like we've only got a glimpse of Abigail played by Whoopi Goldberg and Randall Flagg played by Alexander Skarsgård. So <laughs> I'll come back, like I said, at the end of the you know season and do a full review. And hopefully by then they find a way to make the apocalypse just a little more entertaining. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. It's time for Christian's Corner. All right, so today I'm going to be giving you my official review for Spider-Man Miles Morales. But before that, I have a bit of a rant to go on, so bear with me. Um, we are a little over one week out from the launch of Cyberpunk 2077. And well, it's been one hell of a roller coaster as far as the gaming news cycle goes. I mean, seriously, more and more things about how this like how this launch happened come out every single day. And I'm not even a games journalist, but I'm still shocked by it every single morning. For starters, as you heard me say last week, I have been fortunate enough to play the game on PC and suffered little as compared to last gen console players. So my initial reaction to the game was, and still is, positive. However, I feel for the PS4 and Xbox One player base. This may come off as, you know, a bit of a tangent, but fuck it, whatever. Before I had the benefit of being able to play on PC, um, before I had the means to game and stream regularly, um, I worked multiple jobs at the same time just to make ends meet, and during that time period of my life, the game I was hyped for was GTA V. And it was all I wanted after that second trailer came out for it. I mean, Rockstar promised us one hell of an experience, and I was sold. Even with people in my life at the time, you know, nagging me against, air quotes, wasting my time with video games. I worked my ass off so I could afford the game and be able to take a couple days off to play it. Now I'm, I'm just trying to imagine what it would have felt like to have been that hyped and to have put it in, you know, put in that much effort just to play a game only for it to have the issues that Cyberpunk 2077 has had for concert players. I, I mean, it would have been a slap to the face that might have just made me stop playing games for a while. However, GTA was a great game, and at the least, it was functional. The launch of Cyberpunk 2077 was not something I expected to come from a studio like CD Projekt Red. And while I feel the game's launch really wasn't the game's um, dev teams to blame, uh, yet the blame should be on their execs and managers. Their reputation has kind of, you know, plummeted in my eyes um, and many other gamers. I mean, from day one, the motto for this game was it will come out when it's ready. And that's not what happened. 
They got greedy and pushed the game out so that they could make bonuses this year. They ignored the problems that were there just to fatten their wallets. Um, you know, reports are coming in from the dev team that, that they are furious as well with management. And I can only imagine why. I mean, dealing with months of death threats only to have this shitty of a launch for a game they have been passionately making. On top of that, which, you know, this part is the part that really blew my mind, was Microsoft and Sony didn't really check to see if the game worked properly on their last-gen consoles. They just kind of took CD Projekt Red's word for it. And in this current climate, last-gen, you know, still is pretty much current, as not everyone was able to get their hands on a next-gen console. Now, you know, this week, Sony did something pretty much unprecedented, by removing the game from their digital store, which, by the way, it sounds, was a move made by both Sony and CD Projekt Red together. Um, this all comes after the studio announced there could be refunds, and you know, then people couldn't get their refunds because of the you know prerequisite conditions for a refund on the PlayStation Store. Um, for those of you who do own the game digitally, by the way, you know this won't affect you. You'll still get the updates that have been promised. Um, the game hasn't been removed from your console. It's just now unpurchasable for um, new players. But from what it sounds like, you know, Sony sounded like they were pretty fed up with the whole ordeal. You know, they're getting everyone's complaints. Everyone's trying to get a refund. This was a lot on them. And, you know, as a result, I speculate, um, you know, it came to this ultimatum of if you're allowing refunds, we're taking the game down and CD Projekt Red just went with it. Uh, you know, there's no word yet on if Microsoft will be making the same move as they were pretty much, you know, marketing partners on this game with CD Projekt Red. So, I mean, it sounds like I have the, the idea that they're just going to let it, you know, keep going on and move on with their lives. Um, this has been, you know, kind of the biggest fiasco in gaming coming from a AAA tile in a while. And while I do believe there is a good game there, it exists, I'm playing it on PC, there's still a lot left to be desired. Um, things that I think will be changed in the future and made right, but is it too late? I don't think this game will be on the level of, you know, like Anthem, but I can't ethically tell our listeners this is something they should pick up on anything but a PC. And even then, if you're thinking about picking up the game, I I just say don't because those execs really need to be spanked for this you know with some harsh truth from the consumer as always i say vote with your wallet because you know at the end of the day that's all they really care about but all right let me move on to something that actually did surprisingly work well on the ps4 um, spider-man miles morales i got to play this game on ps4 uh, I, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't been lucky enough to get a PS5, so, and I was very much sold by that marketing of this game will only, you know, be at its best on a PS5, you know, uh, but my co-host, Dabin here, you know, told me, fuck it, just go play it, and so I did, um, and I was actually stunned by how well it was working on my base PS4, like, I'm not talking PS4 Pro, I'm talking fucking original, you know, same year it came out, PS4. And it worked great. You know, I didn't run into a lot of the problems that a lot of people, like other people have had with the game. And you know, that's something I, you know, brought up in my first impressions as well, you know. It just seemed to run smoothly. Um, you know, I didn't run into a lot of loading problems. You know, the game loaded at the beginning, 
But beyond that, you know, even deaths didn't seem to take that long as compared to other games. So I just felt like this game was well optimized for the Sony experience. And I'm happy to say, you know, that stayed true throughout the entire game. Um, the only thing that really, you know, you know, took me back was just how short it was in general. I understand, you know, they're in between games now. They're going to be making a second one that features more Peter and stuff like that. But for Miles, you know, being such a big character in my eyes and a lot of fans' eyes, um, I think it's his time to shine in, you know, Marvel in general. Um, you know, I think it's beyond his time to shine, really, at this point. Um, and I would have really loved this to have been a full $60 experience because I feel like it was worth a full $60 experience. Um, even at the $40 price point, I would say just pick it up. You know, I'm not even saying, you know, get it on sale or anything like that. This is this is a must play for me. Um, I really did enjoy the game from, you know, start to finish. Um, you know, Miles felt authentic to himself. Even when it's working within this storyline, that felt like Miles Morales from the comics. I thought Insomniac, you know, just put together such a well-handled experience that anyone could pick up from any age and really be able to enjoy what it means to be Spider-Man in this world. Uh, you know, Miles is such a fucking phenomenal character and, you know, it meant a lot to me, you know, that being like kind of my Spider-Man um, to get to play as him in a game. And I can only hope that, that this continues to move forward as, you know, Miles' rise to, you know, the mainstream um, as, as, as it goes with like MCU and stuff like that. But I can only imagine, you know, Marvel uh, not wanting Sony to have all the glory here. But at the same time, I, I just gotta say, you know, if you wanna play a Spider-Man experience, um, pick this game up. Uh, I think it works. If you love the first one, you're gonna absolutely love this one. You know, it's it's the same experience. It's just got the electricity of Miles Morales, and I think that was definitely worth the forty dollars. Um, at the same time, you know, do expect a shorter experience. Uh, you know, it's way more condensed. It feel like the storyline even felt very condensed. But I mean, he is kind of like the you know Spider-Man of Harlem, so you definitely stayed in that area the most. So um, I will be giving this game an A minus just because the storyline just wasn't long enough for me. It wasn't there wasn't too many shocks and turns. Um, I could have gone you know for another fucking twelve plus hours in this game, and I could play pick this up and play it again and again as well. But um, I definitely think it's deserving of an A. Um, I just think the story wasn't there a hundred percent for me to make it um, you know an A or an A plus. So I will say you know this is definitely worth picking up. You know, any A in our book is definitely something worth picking up. So definitely check out this game when you get a chance. For those of you who haven't gotten a chance to see my playthrough of the game, it is available currently on um, our YouTube channel, which uploads for that game will continue coming up this next week. As we've just been doing cyberpunk videos this previous week um, to show off the gameplay that I've done for there. But, you know, starting next week, I will be adding more games back to our YouTube channel like The Witcher and Spider-Man and stuff like that going forward to um, continue to show off all the other experiences like that. Um, speaking of that, um, I will be live again this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, per usual. We're going to be hopping back into Cyberpunk 2077. Um, you know, I do want to eventually get to the end of the game so I can give it a final grade and everything. Um, I know I just I know I just shit on it a bunch because of the um, console versions, but I have been having a good experience while playing it on PC. Um, and I do want to see what their final like act is at, in this current state. 
you know um i will be playing this game more going forward as well i will be playing you know the street kid version and the corporal version even though i hear that they're pretty much the you know same um i still want to check out every aspect of this game just to get a good idea of what it was when it came out because uh, i do know that they're going to be doing updates they're going to be making changes and stuff that will affect you know my overall opinion of the game later on but you know i want to get that that grade out for you guys as well um on what it is now so i definitely will be playing cyberpunk and then i'm still debating on what games else i'm going to be playing this weekend it might be the witcher um might might just be a double cd project red type of weekend or um i'll hop back into watchdogs even though i'm not as interested in watchdogs as i was when it first came out so yeah uh, let's move on to some wrestling we'll think and how they will look at me after they see what I do to you on Sunday. Come on, Roman. You're still not ready? Fine. I got more. You know, speaking of what our kids might think, Roman, a few weeks ago, I heard you tell Jey Uso that you care how your sons look at you. Well, Roman, I've got some bad news for you because if your kids judge you from your actions of the past few weeks, they already know that their dad is nothing but a hypocrite. All right, man. So Raw's having a bad week, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, worst ratings ever. Um, and they actually ended up losing to AEW uh, in the 18 to 34 male demo. For the first time ever. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, this show has been pretty fucking awful lately. I mm. honestly have not watched a full episode in over a month at this point. Just because it's unwatchable. So um, Smackdown was on a roll for a little bit. But then the, this past like two, three weeks, you know, it's, you know, kind of doing the same thing Raw's doing. It's on this downward spiral. Um you know, you still have got, you know, Roman Reigns and, you know, that storyline going on. But they moved away from Sasha and Bailey way too fast. Um, I could give a damn about Carmella and Sasha. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, the Mysterios seem to be fucking feuding with Baron Corbin, of all people. Ooh, which, great. yeah, I don't need. I don't <laughs> need in my life. So, um, yeah, no, it's been it's been rough going on the WWE front, um, honestly. So hopefully this is a wake up call to them, um, uh. you know, and maybe they have a come to Jesus moment and they decide to, you know, shake things up again. Um, but I feel like nothing's going to really change until the old man is, you know, basically, you know, out to pasture, which is sad to say. Uh, but it is what it is. But, you know, Wednesday nights is you know, wrestling night now, so... That's where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you felt about the way they've been handling the whole AEW slash Impact storyline so far? I mean, I think it's cool in concept. Um, what we got last week when it came to, like, making an announcement, saying that we're going to make another announcement, then not having much to say the next day, and then... Basically uh, saying the same thing. <laughs> Verbatim, uh-huh. you know, that was a little disappointing because it was almost the same promo word for word. Um, you know, I know that they filmed it backwards, I believe. They filmed the stuff, you know, at uh, AEW the same night of the title win, I think. 
and then they filmed the impact stuff but it's like why would you i don't know i mean maybe it was well, just I mean, trying to have the hindsight maybe you're though, trying right? yeah exactly <laughs> like are, are you trying to just get like more heat by doing it this way um i love the little you know commercials the little infomercials that you know tony khan mm-hmm. did um with tony shivani um both weeks i thought they were really well done and fun um you know like i said last week they're definitely going towards some kind of brand versus brand type deal um, we'll see if we get actual like impact wrestlers on AEW. Um, you know, uh, this week on impact though, they set up a six man, uh, tag match, uh, with the reuniting bullet club, um, <laughs> which they did briefly call them the bullet club in the promo, which I was kind of surprised yes. by. Um, but Omega and the good brothers will be going against, uh, Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Guns. Uh, I think that's going to be a great match. I think it'll be fun to watch. Um, I think Rich Swan is a really good talent, um, when, you know, in the right parameters. Uh, so it should be interesting to see him and the uh, Motor City Machine Guns go up against the good brothers. I haven't seen Kenny and them work together in a long ass yeah, time. Right? So I'm excited for that. Um, it's got me interested in checking out anything impact. So, I mean, that's a bonus, and right? That's the goal really. Right. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, I've actually caught more impact over the last two weeks than I have over the last two years. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not saying a lot. So, uh-huh. uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I like the direction they're going. I like the slow burn storytelling. I do hope sooner than later we get some sort of, I don't know, like confrontation between like the Young Bucks and Omega mm. or Cody and Omega, just like a mention of what he's done because they all built AEW together and, you know, they're all EVPs. And so you would think naturally you're going to have some kind of confrontation with the guy taking your belt over to another company. Um, yeah. You know, so we'll see. Um, Don Callis in an interview on Wrestling Observer Live, uh, did mention that there are even bigger things that you can't even imagine in the works. Um, so we'll see what that means. Uh, this was when he was asked about like Kenny being like a belt collector. So we'll see if he doesn't stop with just impact. You know, we know that he's got the trip, one of the triple A belts right now. I never can remember the name of the actual title, the super awesome mega title or something. <laughs> something like uh, that. I'm wondering, like, you know, do we get to see him over at Ring of Honor? You know, do we eventually get, like, a New Japan, you know, uh, sighting? Who knows at this point? I mean, you know, at this point. I'll lose my shit if he shows up at Wrestle Kingdom after the final, like, um, championship match. And, and then he immediately challenges. I don't think he can, though, because of quarantine and shit. Uh, well, yeah. So in Japan, they actually stick to their fucking rules, and <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and that's why they can actually have fans in the crowd now. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, no, no. I mean, that would be great, though. Don't get me wrong. Uh, do you think maybe that's why we haven't seen Moxley? Um, possibly. I mean, they probably want him there, right? Yeah. They haven't announced anything. I mean, we're very close to wrestling. They Kingdom. announced the card. I don't have it in front of me, so we're not going to go over it right now because it's 2 uh-huh. o'clock in the morning. Um, but Moxley and Kento were definitely not one of the matches that they announced. But, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe that that's going to... I would hope that maybe they've at least, like, pre-recorded a match and we just don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, Kenta, right? Is he going back and forth? I don't know. He, I mean, he came to the States. I don't know where he went from there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the payoff was to that. So, uh-huh. um, but yeah, no, I mean, 
it's a, an exciting time to be a wrestling fan, that's for sure. So just not if you're only a WWE fan, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I was incredibly shocked yesterday to realize, oh, there's a pay-per-view this week. Yeah. For TLC. I was just like, what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you hear about the Keith Lee news? What, what's going on with Keith uh, Lee? So I guess, I don't know how you missed this. Um, McMahon sent Keith Lee and Otis and a few other bigger guys. I can't think of who, but Keith Lee and Otis are the ones we're actually concerned about. Um, he's sending them to the Performance Center for some more seasoning um, so they can learn how to work. Now, Keith Lee's still on the show and everything, but uh-huh. I guess he's not meeting like expectations for him right now. And Nia Jax gets to be, like, on pay-per-view after pay-per-view? Well, Keith Lee's still on the show, but I guess uh-huh. he wants him... Well, I'm guessing, I'm speculating, they want they want him to work more as a typical WWE big man. No. <laughs> exactly. That's not what makes Keith Lee Keith Lee. Like, why take away what makes him special? Because they, like, could... they hate anything good. That's... <laughs> They're just too stuck in their ways. Um, that's and it's unfortunate. Like we don't need Keith Lee to work like Mark Henry. We uh-huh. need Keith Lee to work like you know how he got to the dance. So I mean, otherwise, you could find another you know big guy who can you know do a running splash. Like I feel like that's a dime a dozen, uh-huh. you know. Right now, just find some former football player and put some tights on him, and you're done. So, like, why even fucking bother, you know, calling him up at this point? Mm-hmm. It's just surprising too, because it seemed like McMahon was so behind him, you know. Especially you think about like last year at this time, the moment he had in the Royal Rumble, the Survivor Series stuff. Like, did he not watch NXT to see how he worked? I don't know, man. I think he just, just saw a big guy and just said, hey, let's go with it. And, you know, Keith Lee, with, like, the fundamentals and stuff like that, he's not the strongest. Um, his punches don't look great. And if, if that's the kind of stuff you're going to work on, fine. But I don't need you to, like, tool with, like, his moveset or, like, uh-huh. you know, what he does in the ring. You know, what makes him him. Uh, that That's my concern. Because if you've been watching Raw, which fortunately for us, we really haven't been. <laughs> but when he initially came to the main roster, you definitely saw his like arsenal get watered down big time. Mm. You know, so and that was everyone's fear and it's coming true. So rest in peace, Keith Lee. Um, Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but it does show... He's still invested in him because he wouldn't even bother sending him down to the performance center. I guess. You know, yeah. I guess. It's, I guess it's not even down, is it? Where are they right now? Are they at the? No, they're not at the performance center anymore. I was gonna say they're still um, in Florida. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're in Florida, but still, um, it, he's still invested in him at least, and like other giants have, you know, gone through the same type of deal, but uh, they were like, you know, wrestlers like Big Show and Mark Henry, and you know, he loves these big guys, but. Man, it is hard for them to fucking make it, you know, on his show because he's really hard on them. I mean, I'm still waiting for them to do something big with Big E. You know, that's what my expectations have always been for him. And it's been how many years? 
Uh, I know he's. It looks like he's going to be in some kind of feud with Sami Zayn. We'll see where that goes. Uh-huh. We'll see if he gets an icy, you know, title run here. Um, here's to hoping. So um, he has kind of. It feels like at least you know he has his own ring entrance now. He's doing you know the old school like powder yes. clap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's. So I, I think they're slowly you know trying to give him his own identity again so we'll see if they let him be like big e langston because <laughs> they did still <laughs> they did still his last name um like you know many wrestlers uh-huh. you know end up losing their fucking last names for some reason when they get called up to the main roster but yeah you know he's one of the victims uh but i don't know i don't know I, the the jury's still out Right, well, what's what else is going on in the the wrestling world? Uh, I don't know if I got anything else, man. Oh, okay. Well, if you don't, uh, let, let me see. Hold on, Keith Lee. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Nia Jax. I'm not gonna go into the Lana shit. Thank God I did not watch this past episode. Cause uh, Lana got a pin on Nia Jax, and then. It, they uh they actually had Asuka and Lana beat Nia Jax in um what's her name twice in a tag match Shayna Baszler yeah she, yes twice um and that got them a title shot at the pay per view and then they do a singles match between Nia and her beat them to... twice and that's what gets them the shot at the pay per view yeah you would think after the first time that they get the fucking shot right so and then after they beat them twice they have a single match before the pay per view because you know let's just watch these wrestlers wrestle. Um, you know, not build any fucking hype for the match. Um, they, uh, they had her beat Nia and then they had Shayna Baszler and Nia, like, injure her. So she's out of the match now. So it's Asuka versus Shayna Baszler and Nia Well, Jax? there's going to be a mystery partner. Oh. So it's probably Charlotte. Um, but uh. at the same time, shut up. Um, at the <laughs> Are you telling me you'd rather have fucking Lana in the match than Charlotte? No, but I'm thinking like Rhea Ripley or something. Give no, me... she's not. She's not. I know. I know they don't care. They don't care. <laughs> uh, but maybe. We'll see. Uh, you know, I, oh, I could totally see that, too. Just because everyone was predicting that she'd be the, uh, the Survivor Series team. Uh-huh. So they wanted to swerve everyone and like put her in this. Like, bring her up this way. I could totally fucking see that. that that's such a WWE thing to do. <laughs> like, it's too predictable, so we're going to do something else that makes no sense uh-huh. storyline-wise. Yeah, oh, fucking swerve them, all right? All right, so, and lastly, what do you think about the uh, Goldberg uh, challenge or rumor? He, he It was a challenge, right? He was on some interview show or something? Yeah, was he, it the he bump? said... Yeah, was it I the think fucking it was the bump? bump. <laughs> I hate that fucking show. <laughs> Um, where he called out Roman. Yeah, he said he's next. I, I just want him to go away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's co- after this past week's rating, though, uh-huh. I mean, he'll be there sooner than later. I would, guarantee it. Would he be on SmackDown, or would they rather him be on Raw at that point? They'll use him wherever they where they need him. So. They'll make his challenge on Raw and then show up on SmackDown. Yeah, I guess. But you're right. Technically, yeah, that would be a SmackDown. But I mean, SmackDown's not doing great either. So, 
Uh, but yeah, no, they're definitely going to be calling him up. I'm sure we're about to get like another special, like, you know, retro episode or like a legends episode. They'll, they'll, they'll dust off stone cold. Great. Yeah. So that's, that's their go-to lately uh-huh. <laughs> when the ratings, you know, take a dip. Um, so I, I'm Remember sure we were good. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Yeah, they just bury their talent. You know, look uh, at all these, look at all these great professional wrestlers that you used to love uh, when people were actually over. Um, oh when we knew how to make stars. Uh, the only thing I would want to see out of a Goldberg return turn would be to see the Fiend get like some retribution and just beat the hell out of him or something. But I don't uh, think Goldberg's coming back for that though. No, he's not. He'll he'll go right into a feud with Roman. Um, Maybe at the Rumble, I'm guessing. And then, yeah. I mean, I, I think Roman will go over, but yeah, that'll, that'll probably be a good like month or two of TV right there mm-hmm. that we have to deal with. So I'm, I'm think, over I'm over it, you know? <laughs> I think adding um, your next to Roman's vernacular would be fun. Uh-huh. Sure. But beyond <laughs> that. Um, uh, speaking of Roman, too, we had The Rock send out a tweet I guess, um, responding to something Arn Anderson said on his podcast, um, where he basically was like talking about like a possible main event between The Rock and Roman and how it he just doesn't see it happening uh, because like there's no crowd right now. Uh, so he just feels like The Rock and his people, you know, would wait for an audience to be back. Um, the Rock and his tweet you know, basically said, you know, wise words from a wise man. You know, I'm paraphrasing. Uh-huh. Uh, so it doesn't seem like that WrestleMania match is going to happen right now. I mean, he might just be trying to swerve people. But yeah, I mean, where do you go with this storyline if it's not, you know, headed towards The Rock? Because before, like when we heard that we could possibly be getting a Rock match, you know, you know, against Roman at WrestleMania, we kind of like shit on it. But that was before Roman's heel turn and this like mm-hmm. incarnation of Roman. And now it feels like it makes perfect fucking sense. Um, you know, so I was actually a little upset when I <laughs> saw that. Um, where do you go with Roman? Uh, do you build do you build to this feud a whole nother year? Do you give it uh, <laughs> another 12 months? That's I mean, that feels like way too much storytelling for the WWE to handle uh-huh. right now. Um, I could see it though. I love the character. So as long as they keep on, you know, handling it as well as they've been handling it. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of this might have like Heyman's name all over it. Um, you know, not that he's perfect by any means, but like, there's so many like little nuances to the story that it just feels like, you know, something that Heyman has influence on. Um, I don't know though. I don't know. Like, could you see like Cena? Coming back to face off against him? Possibly. But I would... I don't know. They love to dust off their superstars during WrestleMania. Yeah. I'm trying to think, because there's not anyone else I could see being, you know, Roman's big mania guy on SmackDown right now. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they bring back The Undertaker. (laughs) (sighs) Please don't. Possible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's definitely possible, but please don't. Please don't. Uh, but yeah, well, that's going to do it for wrestling this week. And that's going to do it for the show. 
All right, but before we head out, make sure to head over to dramacityproductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. That's right, and if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. And if you're looking to further support the show, go ahead and buy some merch over at Tee Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts, I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. Absolutely. And you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. So that's going to do it for this week. Uh, We're going to take a much-needed break next week, but make sure to go ahead and still tune in for our Best of Star Wars Month. Listen as we count down all our favorites from a galaxy far, far away. That's right, Damon. And then we will be returning the first of 2021 with our review of Wonder Woman plus our review of The Mandalorian Season 2. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nurture. Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. And I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is!